Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Steve Rosenblum. There was a keg stand I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off the main <laughs> floor, and then, and, but I was, it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm going to dunk his ass. They suck, so you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Welcome in. Saturday Suckage. I'm Steve Rosenblum. I'm here for you. Let's find out who else is here. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Jake Arietta. This sucks. Really, it does. Albert Elmora. Damn, Willie, man. Like, do we suck? Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you got to embrace the suck. Eloy Jimenez. Hey. You guys not gonna make anyway. You guys suck. And when when I got traded the next day, oh, welcome to the suck team. Random Bears fan. Terry Bores. Finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do. Liam Hendricks. I wouldn't say seeking perfection. It's just mainly trying not to suck. Julie Swika. Man, that. Suck. Wilson Contreras. Losing, losing suck. I tell you that, and, and that's all I can say. George went. We had fun, uh, but there you go. I sucked. Garth Algar. Turn it off, man. Turn it off. It's sucking my will to live. Steve Dahl. Disco sucks. Disco sucks. Cesar Perez. What's going on? Hey, Caesar, how are you? Welcome to Saturday Suckage. 
So here's what we're going to do. It's very appropriate. The Bears had another player arrested. The White Sox have another lineup that just inexplicably features Larry Garcia somewhere in there. Welcome in to Saturday Suckage. We'll be here until 1245, taking up to Cubs baseball. Zach Zabin pregame show, and they'll play the Cardinals again, and um, maybe they can have Kyle Hendricks pitch again. I'm broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. We will present to you at 1120 Mark Shanowski, ABC7 reporter, co-host of the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast with Stacey King, does color on Windy City Bulls broadcast. We will talk about the newest bull. And they um, they kept their draft choice. Just not sure how long they're going to keep that. Not sure how long this this roster will stay like it's going to stay. We'll run it by basketball guru Mark Shanowski. And then at noon, Jim Margallis of the White Sox, of Sox Machine. And we'll talk about the White Sox. And we have to talk about the White Sox. It's, it's a remarkable thing. We will get to that in a moment, the way this lineup goes, the way Tony LeBevington... I'm just, we'll get to it in a moment, but the guy, Tony LeBevington, he's his nephew Perez. And how'd that work out for Dusty Baker and the Cubs all those years? But first, this new regime by the Bears, this new culture change, this new attitude, this new look, they got another player arrested. Bears linebacker Matt Adams was arrested Thursday night in Chicago on a misdemeanor charge of unlawful firearm possession. According to police, this is from the Chicago Tribune report, Colleen King. Bears linebacker Matt Adams also was cited for having high-capacity magazines and metal-piercing bullets, a violation of city code. Police said Adams was arrested at approximately 646 in the 200 block of North Garland Court in the Loop. The magazines were found during a search of his car, and the weapon also was recovered, according to police. His court date is set for August 24th. Well, right before, not too far from opening day. We'll see how that goes. The Bears acknowledged the arrest in a statement. Their statement said earlier this morning we were made aware of the incident involving the arrest of Bears linebacker Matthew Adams. We are in the process of gathering more information. We will refrain from making further comment at this time. So a little background on this guy that you may not know, may not have heard of. The Bears signed him. He's a 26-year-old Linebacker. They signed him to a one-year contract in April. He's a four-year NFL player, veteran who previously played under, yep, you got it, Matt Eberflus with the Indianapolis Colts. Adams is the second new Bears player to be arrested this offseason, the second new Bear player signed by rookie GM Ryan Poles. Wide receiver Byron Pringle was busted for reckless driving, for suspicion of doing a donut on a hard road and driving on a suspended license. He pleaded not guilty of the charges and waiting a pre-trial hearing. So the Bears are on a six-week summer break. This is how they spend their summer. They wrapped up veteran minicamp. In a message to the team, in a, every, in a message every coach gives to his players when they leave this minicamp, Eberflus told his team to be prepared mentally and physically and also to be safe during the time off quote, be careful who you hang around and be mindful, be careful who you hang around with and be mindful of where you are and to be safe during the vacation. 
Bears have gone from bad, stupid to armed and maybe deadly. So you got a rookie GM face planning as as he compiles a prison work gang, a rookie head coach whose hits principle sounds more like he's auditioning for Friday Night Lights and a team chairman who really is Mr. Bean. This is that team. This is the culture change that Justin Fields talked about at a rest a month. Well, that's it's always good to have a goal. It's always good to reach it. That's your Bears news for today. Your White Sox news is there is a lineup, and lo and behold, Lenin Sosa is in it. He's atop the lineup. Lenin Sosa is leading off and playing second base. Batting second, Andrew Vaughn, he's DHing. Batting third, Louis Robert, center field. Batting cleanup, Jose Abreu, first base. AJ Pollock is in left, batting fifth. Gavin Sheets is in right, batting sixth. Jake Berger at third, batting seventh. I'm pausing here. I have to say this. I don't want to say this. Leury Garcia is playing short and batting eighth. Reese McGuire is catching and batting ninth. That lineup will face... Orioles pitcher who is just recalled, Spencer Watkins. He's starting today. He just came off the taxi squad or the JV or whatever it is. His ERA is six, so who knows? The Sox could get no hit today. Maybe it's a good thing it's raining. This whole Larry Garcia fascination. Now, maybe Tim Anderson is not healthy enough to play a day game after night game. Maybe he wanted to play and they told him no. Maybe he said no or I really doubt it, but he may have gone to him and said, look, I can't do this, I'll play Sunday. And they said, fine, we'll do this. But just so you know, Jake Huda, an incredible follow on Twitter, especially if you have a Leury Garcia, Tony LeBevington hate fest going on the way I do, he tweeted this, Leury Garcia ranks among 232 players with 150-plus at-bats. His batting average, 188, is 224th out of 232. He's on base percentage, dead last, 232 out of 232. Larry Garcia, thank you very much. His slugging percentage, 230th out of 232. Can you imagine being the other two guys who are lower than Leury Garcia in slugging percentage with 150-plus at-bats? And OPS, he's 231st out of 232 players with 150-plus at-bats. How'd you like to be that one guy whose OPS is worse than Leury Garcia's? It's, it, it is just it's mind-boggling that what the manager is doing, how he gets to do this, how he, and and what you can read into this, what I read into this, is there's a rift and it's becoming more public. And I'm connect, maybe I'm connecting some dots. Nobody's told me this, but watching and listening to LaRusa, watching the moves, the way this goes, the guy who won't stop playing Leury Garcia, the guy who couldn't keep Leury Garcia out of the lineup yesterday in favor of a kid who was ripping it up, a hot as a pistol, said the GM who brought him up. 
the analytics-driven GM. Larry, Larry Garcia has to play because, well, let's see. They were shut out the night before, and, God, we have to get Larry Garcia in there. We can't play this rookie. I, I just think it is It's a bad sign. It's part of the dysfunction. If It makes you wonder if this isn't just Tony LeBevington's bonehead decisions as much as it's flexing, as much as it's a growing war with titular GM Rick Hahn, the man who didn't and wouldn't have hired Tony LeBevington. So reading back on the manager's quotes about analytics, like when he walked Trey Turner with two strikes and ruined Bennett Sousa, LeBevington used them like a shield, sort of like neener, neener, neener. And and there was, around this, there were things where he said, well, it was a certain pitcher's inning. What? It's a game situation. You manage the game that's in front of you. He also said at one point, there were, well, there was no one you wanted to use in the fifth inning. Yeah, there's always someone you can use if it's a game situation. He didn't know that Giolito sucked after 75 pitches. And then there was the, the, the fallout from the move to walk Trey Turner with one and two count, and he was standing behind that defiantly talking analytics like he knew it all along to face the left-handed hitting Max Muncy and paying no mind to the fact that the pitcher he was forcing to face, the left-handed pitcher he was forcing to face left-handed hitting Max Muncy is worse against left-handers than right-handers. It's like, it, it's like he didn't know his own players. This is the same guy who had Garcia batting second, third, lead up, wherever, wherever he could put him at the top of the order because he had a gut feeling. Well, where are you on this? Are you analytics? Are you with your gut? Are you old school? Are you... And then he took the blame last night. Well, it's easy to take the blame when you know you're bulletproof. You can take the blame for not having your team ready a night after being shut out by one of the worst pitching staffs in the majors when you know there's no accountability. No accountability for having the team ready a night after being shut out by one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball because the owner has made him the manager. The chairman has made him the manager. And he knows he doesn't have to be accountable. We saw what happened when he had to be accountable. See, right now he's taking the blame. He's talking about being accountable. I'm taking. I'm all about accountability. I've never dodged accountability. Well, you can say that when your job is secure because you have more power than the general manager. But when there there wasn't a big rush to take accountability when he was pulled over for suspected DUI, and he tried to play the Hall of Famer baseball card person. That's when accountability would have come up big, similar. However, you want to measure it and. He wasn't taking accountability for anything that involved his actions that night. He was trying to get a get out a DUI free card. He's going to be here. He's going to play Leury Garcia, and maybe because everybody on the on the team is hurt to some degree, he has to. But yesterday was really maddening. Yesterday was maddening. There's no reason Lenin Sosa couldn't play. And if you're going to tell me that a rookie isn't the answer, you could be right. 
If you could tell me what big, what deal would it, what, what kind of big deal could it have made? I'll give you this. I don't know, but I never would have guessed that your mean Mercedes would have saved last year and given the White Sox a chance to get to the playoffs. I would think that a team that sucks like the White Sox do, and we, we later on, I will have some things to say about the Hall of Famer baseball person's utter lack of of attention to his team's defense. But I will say this, all you need to know is watch the Orioles outfield defense, watch them play defense, watch them save their pitchers' pitches, watch them get out of innings, watch them watch them turn the White Sox into an even more dispirited team because they can catch the ball. And the White Sox lead the league and runners thrown out at home. There's an awful lot wrong here. It's organizational. And a manager who just blathers on and wants to take accountability when there's no chance, he would be accountable for any of this. All right. Next screen to follow on to follow later. We're gonna take a break. We I'm gonna take a break. When I come back, we are gonna discuss the man the Bulls drafted on Thursday night. The University of Arizona forward, swingman, ball of energy. Tommy Lloyd, his coach at Arizona, had some things to say about him that were, well, at least it will be entertaining. This is what, and and they added somebody who seems to know basketball, as silly as that sounds. It's really important in a positionless world to be able to know what the other team's doing, what you're doing here. Here's Dalen Terry's former coach. That type of stuff is the coach's dream, you know, because at the end of the game, you know, I think all those coaches, you know, think we're pretty good, but a lot of the, a lot of times the game just comes down to effort and, and making effort plays and, uh, and, and Dalen excels in that. And, um, and, you know, and, and he and I've talked numerous times. I mean, I've told him, you know, Hey, well, put you in this position, double down on it. You know, double down on that. You know, don't go out and try to prove to everybody that you you turned into a great three point shooter the last two months, or you know, now you're now you're all of a sudden a point guard. Just go out and hoop and play with great passion and spirit and make winning plays. And um, and and there's value in that, and your coaches will appreciate it. And we will talk about Dale and Terry. We heard from his coach. We'll hear from Mark Shanowski after this break. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage. Thank you for tolerating this. I suck, so you don't have to. Well, the White Sox are defying all manner of my science. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Welcome in, welcome back. Saturday Suckage indeed, just like the powerful voice said. So, the Bulls drafted a guy who's very versatile. We need to talk to, about, to someone who's very versatile about that. So we go to the scores hotline, and the scores hotline, of course, is presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He's Mark Shanowski of ABC7. He is the co-host with Stacy King of Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. He does Windy City Bulls. I, I, and now he's doing talk radio call-ins like this. A versatile man indeed. Mark, thanks for joining <laughs> me today. That's quite the introduction, Steve. Always good to join you. Well, I you 
a man who absorbs Stacy King the way he does, and I love I love Stacy's insight. I love the humor. I love the the a wonderful. I'm reluctant to use the word outsized, but outsized personality. And I just thought Stacy's always been good people. And in the in the podcast in the description, you are versatile. That's who the Bulls drafted. Let me ask what you think. Give me your scouting report on the player. Before I ask about the pick, which has different layers based on where the Bulls are, what they may end up with, where they may go, what is your scouting report on Dalen Terry? Well, I think Dalen Terry is a guy that's going to grow in the NBA. He's going to come in as a guy that's going to be mostly contributing on the defensive end. Six seven, wingspan just over seven feet. He's very good defensively in terms of playing the passing lanes. I think he might be a guy like a Ron Artest or a Marcus Smart who came into the league and really made their chops by what they could do on the defensive end of the ball. He only averaged eight points at Arizona. He wasn't featured in what they like to do with their offensive system. Uh, Their top scorer, Ben Matherin, was the number six overall pick with the Pacers. So initially, I think he might get some time playing for the Windy City Bulls to try to develop his offensive game. But I think as time goes on, he's going to develop into a guy that you can bring off the bench and maybe he can change the momentum with a couple of steals. So, you know, maybe he'll be uh, Ron Artest without the crazy. Well, I love the idea that that after hearing Dalen Terry, and yeah, I I know everybody's name already about the guys taken ahead of him in the draft and uh, about, they're going to re they're going to be revisit this draft in 10 years. And, and as if to say, well, yeah, I'll be in the top (laughs) five. You watch this. So that kind of, I'm wondering where the air was available in Arizona when you have this guy talking like that and Ben Matherin, teammate ahead of him, gets drafted and wants to see, well, I'm going to find out just how good LeBron is. That must have been some kind of team (laughs) boss, huh? Yeah, they were supposed to steamroll their way into the Final Four, and then Houston knocked them out, uh, you know, in the round. I don't know if it was the Elite Eight or, or the Sweet 16, but... Yeah, they had a lot of guys with confidence, and and their point guard was a kid who wore number 25 in tribute to Steve Kerr. His first name is Kerr. So it was an interesting bunch of people that were playing for Tommy Lloyd down in uh, in Tucson, and they they had a good season overall, but kind of flamed out to the NCAA tournament. Obviously, not lacking for confidence, and and Mark Eversley, in his his post-draft press conference with the media, said that Dalen Lloyd told Terry told him that he would run all the way from from Tucson to come up to Chicago. <laughs> That's how excited he was to be a bull. So the kid is not lacking for enthusiasm or confidence, which which I guess are good things when you come into this league. Well, you need it if you're going to face in the NBA. Rookies are just going to you're going to face rejection somehow. I'm not talking about shots, although that'll probably happen. But you're just going to have to face it. It, it all funnels up, and you're not the best player in the world anymore. The way you, you you're used to it. And that kind of attitude helps considerably if you're not turning your your teammates off. And then and then there's the idea of veterans knowing how rookies are supposed to act, rookies not knowing how veterans are supposed to act. But those the the skills he has in the team they have now, now I'm gonna ask you about the pick itself. This is in keeping with the player profile. What made the Bulls surprisingly good was Lonzo Ball. Alex Caruso getting into passing lanes, creating easy baskets, creating turnovers, creating a lot of open court and running, and that wasn't there once ball went down. And he may, who knows if he's ever going to play half a season even again. And Caruso the same way. But this fits that profile. That this 
that pick that part of the pick makes sense but can that profile win in the nba with what we saw i think a lot of traditional nba fans older nba fans are kind of looking at the game and wondering what's going on where we've got a six eight six nine guy playing center surrounded by four guards i mean it just looks strange to people who are used to watching you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Moses Malone and all these big centers that dominated the game, Shaq. And, and, and now you're seeing much, much fewer guys like that. And Billy Donovan, both at Oklahoma City and now with the Bulls, likes to play small ball. He likes to go with four perimeter players uh, with one big on the court. And that's kind of the trend in the NBA. The thing where the Bulls were lacking was that they didn't have the three-point shooting to go along with that small ball lineup. And that hurt them late in the season. Of course, Lonzo Ball was out. Caruso was minimized because of his injuries. And they weren't getting those easy baskets in transition that they were for the first two-thirds of the season. I think they look at Dale and Terry as a guy that can fit into that four perimeter guys with one big out there that he can play the passing lanes and maybe even defend at the power forward position, even though he's only 6'7". It's it's the style of the NBA right now, like it or love it. You know, when you, if you watched uh, the playoffs closely, it seemed like every game the team that shot the three ball better won that game, and that's kind of it's the game has kind of evolved into a three point shooting contest. Terry at this point is not a great shooter, and that's something that he's going to have to improve. But Donovan's very comfortable going with four smalls and one big guy in there, and I think that's kind of the way he's going to develop this team as we go forward. Tell your old man to drag Walton and Lanier up the court for 48 yeah, minutes, exactly. right? That's, yeah, that's the old school. airplane scene, yeah. So the, <laughs> so, that, that's, that's the way it always used to be, though, Steve. You know right. that, that it, was the, it was the traditional center. You had a big power forward, uh, you know, a, a big uh, lurking guy that was going to kill anybody that came into the paint. And, and the game isn't that way anymore. It's just really based on speed and three-point shooting, and I think the Bulls – made steps in that direction last year with DeMar DeRozan, who was a guard his whole career, playing the small forward position. They had Javante Green at 6'4", trying to play power forward. And, you know, it's going to really help them to get Patrick Williams back or give them more size up front. But just about every team, especially when they go to their bench, it's it's nothing but guards and, and maybe a power forward out there on that second unit. People should uh, – we, we're old enough to remember – in my world, the, the greatest, what you described, one-two punch and literally a punch, was yeah. the unicorn that was Bill Walton when he was healthy and the right. threat that Maurice Lucas was. And those <laughs> yeah. Blazers, that got those, starting with those two, the ball to, to Walton, who could do wondrous things. And if you didn't believe it, Maurice Lucas was going to squeeze your head like a zit. That was the basketball we grew up with, Mark. Well, there's no question about it. Every team had that one-two punch, as you said. You think about the the, uh, the old Baltimore Bullets teams with Wes Unseld and Elvin Hayes, and just about mm-hmm. everybody had that, that running mate, that the power forward that was willing to tear your head off, and, and teams didn't care if he could shoot or not, as long as he could rebound and, and provide that toughness. Look at Kurt Rambis, made, made a living playing with those Lakers teams, and, and he couldn't score to save his life. Mark Shanowski is my guest, WC, uh, w, I'm sorry, ABC Channel 7, and the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast with Stacey King. So what we've described in modern-day basketball, the Bulls can't really or aren't healthy enough to do either. They cannot shoot from the perimeter the way, well, you just watched Golden State do. I mean, Golden right. State won a playoff game where the best three-point shooter in the world didn't hit a three, and the Bulls also can't protect the rim. So 
address those in order. How do you do this? How do the bulls do this? What do you suspect they're going to do? Well, the rumors making the rounds before the draft were that the Bulls would be one of the teams interested in trying to trade for Rudy Gobert. But I think there's a couple of big stop signs when you look at that. First of all, his contract is a real albatross. He's making over $40 million a year for the next three years, and Rudy will be celebrating his 30th birthday tomorrow. So he's not exactly uh, you know, a spring chicken with a lot of upside in his career. I think Gobert is, is, an, is an excellent defensive player. He really helped that Utah team have some fantastic regular seasons, but they always flamed out in the playoffs because they generally didn't shoot the ball well, and, and Gobert provides very little offense. And that's the second negative is that he really can't take advantage of his seven-foot size in the post because he really doesn't have any moves down low. Um, you know, he would certainly bolster their defense, but if you're going to try to make a trade like that, you'd have to give up Bucevic for salary reasons. You'd have to give them Patrick Williams, and they'd want multiple first-rounders. And you've basically decimated your future uh, hoping to to advance further in the playoffs with the two years left on DeMar DeRozan's contract. So I'm not in favor of a Gobert trade. I know a lot of Bulls fans and some media people are excited about it, but I think there's there's just too, many, too much of a downside to that move. I think what they'll do is they'll use their mid-level exception and they'll go out and get a, a backup center who can run the floor and block shots. And, and I think that they'll try to pair him with Vucevic and kind of alternate their strengths and weaknesses to hopefully give them you know, the center position that's going to hold up in the playoffs. So let me ask you about a name that was just, I, I was surprised to hear it out there, but it made total sense. Atlanta's John Collins, because I mean, there's two tradable things on the Hawks. You're going to build around Trey Young. He's not going anywhere. So John Collins is the guy that you cash in and the Bulls weren't in that conversation. Could they be? Should they be? Would it be worth pursuing? What would he bring them? Because you need, I don't know, championship teams, you're always dealing with somehow you got one of the five best players on your roster and maybe two of the top ten. You need greatness. I don't see healthy greatness on this Bulls team right now. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to, and they're starting with the supporting cast. So I don't know where this goes, but if that's a good player, if you think he's a good player, would he fit in on this Bulls team? And have you heard anything about John Collins from Atlanta to the Bulls? I don't know what the asking price would be for John Collins. He kind of fell out of favor this past year. They were using different lineups. He was hurt a lot this past season too, but he's a guy Six eight six nine, who can rebound the ball, can run the floor, and really improve the shooting since coming out of Wake Forest. The knock on him coming out of college was he didn't shoot it all that well. And, and it may be a situation where Trey Young doesn't see him as, as an ideal running mate and is looking for better options. But when you think about a possible trade, you have to think, well, what would Atlanta want in return? And, and the Bulls really don't have much that would fit with what the Hawks are looking for. They're looking for a bigger guard who can play with Trey Young. They probably would, would want Lonzo Ball, and, and I don't know if you trade Lonzo Ball to get Pat, uh, to get John Collins. I, I wouldn't do that because I think there's so many intangibles that Ball brings, although, as you mentioned, the knee is a bit of an issue. But I don't think the Bulls really have a trade package that would interest Atlanta if you didn't include Ball or Patrick Williams, and I think that would kind of be a non-starter for their front office. Mark Schnowski is my guest, ABC Channel 7 reporter and co-host with Stacey King of the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. Stacy is just so he, he he can be mesmerizing at times, can't he, Mark? Can't. Stacy's unbelievable. You know, we we do that do a show every week, and it just the time just flies by. I mean, we're, we're laughing throughout the show. He tells fantastic stories, and he's interested in a lot of things besides basketball. So if you haven't 
you know, I hate to give you a cheap plug here, but if you haven't checked out the podcast, you really should because Stacy is more than just a one-trick pony. He's interested in a lot of things, and and you'll you'll never uh, sample the show without coming away with some laughs. I can guarantee you that. It's not a cheap plug. It's an expensive plug. You're on Saturday Suckage. It doesn't get any better. You, you set go. the bar very People high. Pay when... big money for that kind of promo, don't they? Yes, yes, they do. <laughs> so in the in the event, I mean, we're it's coming up this week. You expect. We've we've heard with Zach Levine and agents, we hear this all the time as as agents try to gin up interest and threaten and keep their their distance and I want to experience free agency and I'm all of that is if we were to cut through the crap, what's the bottom line on what happens? With Zach? Yeah, with Zach and the the Bulls and Zach. Yeah. I mean they've Bills have made yeah, it clear I, they're I think that- I think they offer him the five-year max. Uh, you can start negotiating with free agents at 6 p.m. on Thursday. The Bulls know that well after they got slapped on the wrist last year for the whole Lonzo Ball thing. Uh, so, but he, you know that Zach is their own player, so they can they can start those negotiations anytime they want. And I think that it may not be in the first hour, but I think you'll get an early commitment from Zach that he'll he'll take the five-year max, and and I think they'll go forward that way. I, I know that there was some talk that. You know, he's not getting enough touches, and he was salty because DeMar DeRozan became their number one offensive option. Well, Zach waited, you know, seven years to get to the playoffs, and he finally is on a good Bulls team. I don't think he wants to run off to San Antonio or, or some other bad team where he can score a lot of points just to, just to prove that he's the number one scorer on a team. I think that he, he enjoyed his first taste of the playoffs. It was unfortunate that he, like a lot of Bulls, wasn't 100% healthy, but I think that He'll he'll commit to the Bulls very early in the process, and and then they'll just fill out the roster with uh, their salary cap exception, the mid-level exception, and I think that Kobe White will probably be headed elsewhere at some point in the summer as well. I think the Olympics has a lot to do with it. You, you combine making the playoffs in the NBA and, and the Olympics and, and playing, being among the best, the all-star stuff, seeing, hey, I'm good enough to be here, I want to be here, but winning has so much to do with it. I, I think that's, that believing the Bulls are headed that way, but I could look at that and go, wow, they're, we're, we don't have a whole lot of defense on this team, and Vuce's arrow is pointing down. You need a three-point shooting from him. It's not happening. So I don't know what he, what a player thinks of which way a team's going. I mean, Chris Bryant signed in Colorado, so that and they quit yeah. baseball, Colorado. So I don't know what that is. From what you know of Zach Levine, doesn't it seem that winning should be more important, or is it the money, or I want the ball? Has that party has he evolved in that way? Do you think? Well, look back at the Olympic experience and all the praise that Zach got for accepting a role, coming off the bench for for Greg Popovich and Team USA, and really trying to be their defensive stopper. Uh, Pop put him on opposing point guards and said, I want you to pressure the ball 94 feet. And Zach willingly did that, and he really turned around a couple of games with his work on the defensive end, which came as a shock to a lot of Bulls fans. But, you know, you look at Zach, 6'5", 6'6", super quick, he should be a good defensive player. It's really all about focus and effort, and sometimes that's lacking for Zach during the 82-game regular season grind. But, you know, I think he saw that he got the appreciation for what he could do as an all-around player, and then he saw what Lonzo Ball could do as a guy that's not known for his scoring coming in. He saw how DeMar DeRozan perfected the art of the mid-range, and these are two really good influences on him in terms of expanding his own game because 
one of the knocks on Zach was shots or shot selection. You know, he likes that step back three and he'll, he'll shoot some crazy fadeaway twos at times. And I think that he saw how DeMar has evolved with his game to the point where DeMar's getting six to 10 free throws every game because he's got that little pump fake that gets people in the air. And Zach realized, hey, if I work on my game and find ways to do things beyond these flashy moves, I can get to the free throw line and get some easy points. And before he had the injury to his knee later in the season, he was averaging over 25 points and, and really scoring in an efficient manner. You shoot over 50% from the field and at 40% from the three-point line. So I, I really think that during this past season, we saw the best of Zach Levine. He's only 27, and I, I think that right now he's entering his prime, and, and, and this is a player that the, the Bulls should want, and I think that they'll get that, that done very quickly in free agency. All right, well, I would hope that would be it, and then they get on to fixing other holes. Mark, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. Steve, always a pleasure. Always enjoy the Saturday suckage. Well, that's good. I suck so you don't have to. And <laughs> say hi to Stacy on the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. Give me the hot sauce. And the rest I of the dish, too. We probably do that. Won't. All right, thank you. Thanks, Steve. Mark, Mark Schanowski, basketball knowledge right there, basketball guru dropping stuff. Boy, it's an education when he comes on. It's terrific. All right, we. Uh, I'll take a break, and uh, when I come back, our my phone number, 312-644-6767. It's also the number to the text line. I will catch up on some texts that you people have sent me, 312-644-6767. Talk, top of the hour, talk with Jim Margallis of Sox Machine. Lenin Sosa is leading off today. I guess everybody was injured or in the hospital or on life support, and Tony LeBevington finally had to play the guy the front office wanted him to play, the guy he is reluctantly had to play. I'm telling you, there's a there's a crack that's becoming bigger in that front office. That's how I connect these dots. So we'll talk about that. And other nonsense. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Classic Sports Suckage Radio. 630 Texter. Why won't they play like a big boy team? I don't know. Our text number here at The Score, Chicago Sports Radio 670, host of Saturday Suckage on, what were the odds, Saturday? 312-644-6767. 773-Texter. Rosie, I get it. Leury is rough, but the entire team is hurt. Who is he supposed to put in? I don't know. I would have put in Lenin Sosa yesterday and not Leury Garcia. You're playing Tim Anderson. You got a shortstop. I don't know why Anderson's not in the lineup and and what the truth is. Whatever they say and what the truth is might be two different things. So did Anderson ask out? Did they hold him out because they just don't want him for his own good? And both are both like, I believe more they held him out than Tim Anderson asked out. But I don't know what the reason is. I'm just saying yesterday was really an example of in my world, an example of <clears throat> reading into a situation where it's not just dysfunctional, but there are warring sides that you're starting to see seeping. It's seeping out. Go back to the, go back to Larusa walking Trey Turner and screaming about analytics like it was a shield. Look at this. Look, I'm dying on what they want me to do. I want this 
because it's analytics and that's the way we do it. And yet this is the guy whose gut tells him to play Leury Garcia. So it just seemed like he was trying to... I've seen this with coaches and managers and the GM or the owner or whoever they need to make a point to. It's like, I confess, he did it. Here I am doing what you want. Look what happened. But the general manager, in this case, the titular general manager, Rick Hahn, said he's hot as a pistol talking about Sosa. And Sosa's numbers were incredible. He was scorching. And Tony Russa didn't know he, whether he could find a place for him because he had to get 188 hitting Larry Garcia, the worst player in the majors certainly with 150-plus at-bats. By the way, I heard from Jay Kuda, as we were mentioning, all of the many failures that of the players who had worse OPS, worse, worse on-base percentage than, than Larry Garcia, one is just Monty Grandal. So there's suckage all over the place. But I just think this is, when you have the analytics-driven part of this world, in baseball, I'm not sure how it is in other sports. I know there have been stories about general managers' offices dropping 200 pounds and 200 pages of notes on a manager's desk. So this is how you need to manage it. Learn every option. Here's every possibility. Here's every matchup. Here's every, every, everything, all the places, all the, all the imaginings. And this is how you should do this. And I don't know if that's... The, what the White Sox do to their current manager, to Chairman Reinsdorf's manager. But I can't imagine he's going to sit still for 200 pages of all this and then manage by it when he's a Hall of Famer baseball person. So anyways, I think there are reasons to believe that this this is becoming far edgier. And in a season where you're losing, it can't be deodorized. I just, I, we're headed for something, I think. Maybe it's a big winning streak. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe it it becomes the win and ugly thing, and and maybe it just takes one. But maybe it would have taken Lenin Sosa yesterday, but Tony was too stubborn to play him. And here he is in the lineup leading off today against Spencer Watkins. Spencer Watkins six ERA, so the Sox could get no hit. Uh, we were talking with Mark Shinowski last segment about Dalen Terry. You gotta love this guy. I, if you heard him, if you haven't heard him, he's already got he's the greatest hits album in one interview with the Chicago media. It's what there are times we we root for stories in the media. You don't care if a guy's good or bad. We just want stories. So here's one thing talking about a redraft that Dale and Terry had to say the other night when he was drafted. Yeah, definitely inspired me. I feel like they're gonna be a redraft in ten years. And it's, it's going to change up no matter where I get drafted. Mm. He was asked if he remembers everybody. Will he go to the trouble of remembering everyone who was drafted ahead of him? Are you also one of those guys who are going to remember who was picked before you when you face those yes. guys? Yes, sir. I remember everybody already. Like, <laughs> yes, trust me. I got it. And he wasn't number one or two or three when 18. And he's glad about it. I'm glad I went 18. I'm happy. I'm so happy. Like, 18 was perfect, honestly. Like, I have no regrets at anything. Like, I wanted to go to Chicago Bulls. I'm love it. I'm, I'm ready. He didn't talk about deep dish pizza or the canyonization of the city, but 
Good for him. Uh, he was talking about, look, I'm playing anywhere. I want to play anywhere. That's the kind of guy he is. I love this attitude. I'm going to just say this. Uh, you can put me in any, situ any situation. I'm always figured out. I feel like all my life I've been in it, going through adversity, and I know in the NBA is going to be even more. So if I, don't, if I come in and get drafted how high, how low, if I don't play, I'm going to still be fighting in practice. I'm going to do what I have to do, and I'm going to get on the court eventually. And the last of the most recent greatest hits from Dale and Terry is the NBA was he was supposed to be here. I feel like I'm ready. Uh, I believe that I'd rather go. I'd rather be in the NBA and go through my struggles and trials and tribulations than being a, being college and be the star. I feel like a lot of guys want to say that, but I want to go through it while I'm a young kid and get adjusted to the game. And obviously, I've been playing basketball all my life to be an NBA player. I ain't go to. I ain't played basketball since I was two to be a college player. You feel me? Laugh at the end. I'd rather get my ass kicked at the pro level for pro money and figure it out. And one of the the one of the one of the repeated one of the repeated compliments he about him. One of the positives that scouts. Other basketball observers said about him is he's smart. He can play anywhere, guard anywhere. He can figure things out. And he said, you heard him say it himself. I, God, I hope he's good. I hope he plays. We need good quotes in this. We need athletes with good quotes in this city. And we seem to have one of those. Okay, so the opposite of good is bad, and that's the White Sox. We're going to go talk about that after I take this break. Jim Margallis of Sox Machine will join me, and he will... He will make you more miserable because he's just going to talk about what the White Sox do. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 